Yeah, I'm not a O3 uh, Greedo guy at all, but um, that was some fire uh-huh. right there. How much O3 Greedo have you heard? Jay? Um, not too much. One of my uh friends, she was playing it one day, like maybe this was like six months ago. I was like, "What the hell are you listening to?" Oh, this O3 Greedo. I was like, "Well, turn him off." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. O3 Greedo, new stuff, new record with Kenny Beats. Yeah. Very good. First of all, I'm Jaren. I'm Josh. We don't know what we're talking about. We're gonna have fun doing. We're the audio files. Yeah, uh, I have I have a I have a surprising thing for you today, Jaren. What? You just won a million dollars. No, more surprising than that. But I'll start with you. What have you been listening to lately? Damn, man. No, no. Start with your exciting thing. First. I've been well, I was trying to tease it, but I've been <laughs> listening to just to to O three Greedo and Alanis Morissette, man. Oh, that is a hell of a mix right there, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm switching up the Steely Dan and Elliot Smith for O3 Greedo and Alonis. Must Morris. be a much happier guy. It's just different vibe, man. That's what's up, man. So, vibe, huh? Oh, vibe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, usually you hate that word vibe, but you know. Listen, I, this is a... I love it. You get two artists that are just on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, definitely. And you just... You, every, you switch back and forth and your ears are refreshed. I'd mm-hmm. recommend that. I recommend that. You take two new records and they're just on the opposite ends and you compare them. It's super interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's been... What about you, though, man? What have you been listening to? I've listened to a lot, man. Um, so Prince, he didn't come out with a new record, but um, they put out uh, one of his like most famous albums, 1999. They remastered that and like put it out with like two albums worth of material that's released from his vault. So you know what I'm going to ask? Like, what? Does it sound better? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, some of it you definitely notice the difference. Like it's a little more clear, where you know it'd be kind of okay. fuzzy. Um, and I'm like, damn, that sounds great. It's like little parts that you'll hear that you didn't even hear because mm. you know it's cleaned up. Yeah, see, you of all people would are familiar with the sound of that yeah. original record. So I've listened to a lot of that. There's a song in there called "Rearranged." It's like it might be one of my favorite Prince songs already. It's funky as shit. Okay, like that's awesome. straight funk. Um, so I've been listening to that. Um, a lot of Ma- I've been in kind of like a Maxwell vibe too. Um, listening to some Maxwell. Um, what else have I been listening to? Uh, K Trinata, you ever heard of him? Hell yeah, yeah, K Trinata is awesome. That album he released a few years ago, ninety nine point nine. Yes, man, and it's yeah. just like a, every every song in there is good. You know? You're totally right. Well, he's one of the more well known, revered like beat makers yeah. of our time. You know, hell yeah, he's 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 making he's making his name yeah, a pretty man. big deal. And his DJ it. stuff is great too. He's a great DJ. What I love about him is like he's bringing in all types of influences into his shit. Like you got jazz in there, you got hip hop, you got soul, you got funk, you got house. Well, I could talk about this at length, but I think that's part of the wave of these new producers, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Shlomos and the Flying Lotuses. Like yeah. they don't they don't think about genre. You know, they just throw it all in. They just throw in whatever they like. So. Yeah, genre's kind of a dying thing to an extent. You know. Yeah, it totally is. That might have to be another episode. Hey, it might have to. We just gave ourselves another idea. Let's bookmark this. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you see how we do it on the audio files? Hey, that's that's how we get down. So I wanna I wanna talk about O3 Greedo for a second. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know how I have these weird obsessions with random like, Definitely. super modern rappers, but O3 Greedo caught my attention because I heard his song Maria, mm-hmm. which is just his absolute banger i mean go and listen to it he made it with kenny beats maria maria yeah okay. i should have played that instead of this first one but i like this one nah, this was a banger so he he caught my attention because th- there's a few things that set him apart from most modern 
uh, rappers that are kind of in his wheelhouse, the autotune guys. What, he can't rap? Is that what it is? No, it's he's very... It's Well, one of the things that sets him apart is he's very talented. He's very talented, sincerely. He's got really good melodic and melody ideas. He's super original. He's considerably older than everyone else in his genre class. How old is he? He's like... Well, he's like 32 right now. He's he's locked up, man. He's in jail. Oh, damn. Yeah, he got like a... He's he's in jail for... That'll set him apart. Yeah, well, you know, he's he's in there for a while, man. Making beats out the sale, huh? Yeah, there they what happened was he knew during the time that the case was happening he was in the studio just recording tons of stuff and he they've been releasing like st- it's like not kind of posthumous but like not mm. posthumous like yeah. post incarcerated whatever. Did. <laughs> yeah, so and the material is great. His new material is is like really interesting. It's really original. And I've just got so fascinated. I like looked into him and read about him a little bit. What's he in jail for? Mm-hmm. He's from you know, like Compton, but like a nasty part of Compton. I mean, that's com- just Compton in yeah, general. Yeah, but there's like a there's like nasty parts of right. So like double Compton. He's Damn. from Watts. He's from Compton. Compton. He's from Compton. Compton. <laughs> yeah, and it's just reading about how you know his he had some. I've, I I can't give you a biography now, but he like his dad died in a motorcycle crash, and you know was just yeah. raised single mom, super poor, kicked out of the house, homeless, yeah, selling tons of drugs. Like really, you know, <clears throat> real, you know, rapper circumstances, right? Conventionally speaking. Like, mm-hmm. So totally from the dirt guy. And when he says his lyrics, like, I used to traffic cocaine, one of his lyrics. I, he sells it. Yeah. And I believe it when I hear it. He has Nipseyism for me. Nipseyness. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That's the definition. Put that in Herb Dictionary right Cause now. Because I, I believe it. He, he sells me on it, you know? And it got me to thinking, you know, like, what, is that a real thing? Do, do Can we really feel it as humans when one, when, when they're telling the truth through the music? Like, what, to what extent does it, does that, like, uh, chaos or, or, I don't know, hardship, yeah. for lack of a better word, does that really show itself in the music? The interesting thing about listening to these two people, Othru Guido and Alanis Morissette, Alanis Morissette was not raised in the hood. She did not have... For real? She did not... She was not homeless. She did not sell tons of drugs to feed her daughter. She... She... Different story, right? Totally. And her lyrics, I mean, you can just hear, like... If you were to just write down both of the lyrics and read them off as poetry, like, you know, it's Alanis is so... I mean, I love her, but she's so self-absorbed and, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, definitely. Oh, this guy, I'm so confused. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and just writing about kind of like funny stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Different different thing. I mean, not to say she hasn't had hard times or whatever, but I think as far as O3 Greedo goes, man, I mean, he's in playlists with guys that have not been through the shit that he's been mm-hmm. through. And I just think it's a different, it's kind of a different thing for him. And usually I'm not the kind of guy that gets sold on an artist because of their, like, story or whatever. I'm doing air quotes. Like, I don't, I just want the content to be good. Yeah. But O3 Greedo, I felt like I was, I could, was getting hooked by something when I listened to the material. Anyway, wanted to talk to you about that, Jared. Okay. About this, this idea, like, there's a, you know, and there's a basic understanding, I'll stop rambling in a second, but there's, there's a general understanding that people have that, you know, like great art comes from pain. Definitely. You know, and that's a pretty general thought, but I don't know, some, is there some truth to that? I would say so. Um, I'm just thinking of like when you said it, I'm thinking of artists like that I listen to that I, I can just name that have had like great hardships or went through like shitty things in their life, you know, like 
Okay, even like somebody like Michael Jackson. Sure. Pretty well documented. You know, his he was super poor. His family was super poor when he was living in Indiana and everything. He's you know? an easy example because it's like, well, the, he's like the pinnacle of perfectionism. Yeah, definitely. And he's also the pinnacle of scrutiny as in childhood, right? So it's like you can easily look at things like that sometimes. So, so I mean, I, I would 100% say that like that's definitely a thing. I don't know what it is about going through shit, but it, it, it shows itself in the art. I think what it is really like it, we'll put it down to its most basic like form is it gives you like a hunger that other people just don't have. So that's the thing, man. That's one of my theories. It's like, you know, are are you just that extra amount driven or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you, do you see the same correlation in like CEOs? Like CEOs generally had like abusive childhoods or whatever. I don't think it's the same thing. Well, no, because music is kind of a different thing. Music is more something that, so it's art and it's something that, you know, art in a way resonates with all of us. You know what I mean? So if if you're putting this pain, this hurting to, to this art form, it's going to touch a lot more people than it was if you're just a CEO of Apple or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, people can identify with that. But it's like, okay, well, if it's true that the it, it's the drive that that you get from, like, bad circumstances, I think every rapper that came from the same general background the O3 Greta would be as good as O3 Greta but they're like not mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I don't know man I, I almost think it's a more spiritual thing than that like I think you just get those melodies I think it's like almost like self-evident you just I mean this is one of my thoughts right maybe Elliot Smith is a really good example because he wasn't like particularly driven compared to I mean he was driven but like not so much more so than some of his contemporaries yeah. songwriters he had just as many records. He just loved creating music like other people. But his melodies were just so brilliant and somehow resonated with like that melancholy feeling. He just, I don't know, because he understood the intense version of that, he was able to write it down on paper mm-hmm. or something like that. I want to say it's like a, a spiritual connection, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, I see. Um, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I say a spiritual connection, but like I said, I think it's really just that it, it puts that hunger in, it, hunger in you that most people just aren't going to have. They haven't been through what you've been through. And I also think when, it, when we're talking about music, when going through like a shitty experience, like you have a lot more to draw from. Like, you know what I mean? You had a lot more experiences you can write. So that's from. that's like lyrical content, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Some, you know. Rap is an example that's easy to go back to because, like, often the lyrics are just about yeah. these were my circumstances, right? But and you know other genres too. That's like well. the main when when talking about rap. That's like the main thing you go to rap for is the lyrics. You know what I mean? Sure. Or I mean, with most artists, maybe not today. You know, like SoundCloud rappers, but for the most part, you know, hip hop came as a way for people to speak about like their struggles and shit. So, right. You know. So. Besides rap, I'm thinking about a couple of, of, of singers in, in particular. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have this debate about whether Lane Staley or Chris Cornell is like a superior singer. Yeah. And my, one of my selling points for Lane Staley is because he like really w- went through it. And I feel like that's, I feel like I'm just, you, he can say the exact same words as Chris Cornell, but I'm sold just by like the timbre of his voice somehow. Yeah. And I can't really even think of an of an explanation for that. 
I feel what she's saying. Like, even though I would still, to this day, maintain Chris Cornell was better than Lane, I can see where you're coming from from this standpoint. Like, I definitely hear a lot more, like, pain in Lane's voice, you know, and maybe I'm a little more sold on what he's saying because of that. But, you know, that's a totally different conversation. I, for me, that doesn't make somebody better just because, you know. Right, I, that's I just one pain. selling point, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you Like, you can hear the pain in that man's voice when he's singing. Like, it sounds like just, it sounds like drugs. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a whole other rant altogether, but, like, I think you can hear somebody's, a lot of information about somebody through their voice, right? Mm-hmm. You can hear whether they're relaxed, you can hear yeah. whether they're stressed out. And then, like, life experiences, too, you know? Like, yeah. but I can't even, I can't put my finger on any scientific reason why that would occur. It's just you just when Nipsey says something, it's just something in Oh yeah, you hundred percent believe something in the frequencies, you know. I get the same thing out of out of select few people. Ariana Grande, I want to shut the radio off as soon as possible. I can hear in her voice that she's just like a privileged white girl. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm speaking way out of term here, but but that's that's the that's the impression I get. Mm-hmm. That's the instant feeling. Just hearing it. I'm like, quit whining. Yeah, I feel you. I don't I don't know too much about Ariana's background and but yeah, I could hear it. I could hear just like, you know, just a run of the mill pop star pretty much. I'm not really buying what she's saying, even as much as like if I listen to like a pink, you know what I mean? Like if we're talking you could it's kind of a difference there, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm still hearing some kind of pain or some kind of story within Pink's voice as opposed to like Ariana Grande. It's just like, okay. Sure. Cool production. She's she got more, a nice voice. A little more complexity there. Yeah, you know. Ariana Grande just feels sheltered to me. So you could even you could take this logic we're talking about and take it outside of hip hop and rock and even apply it to, apply it to pop, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I really don't know what that is, man. I like, mean, people identify with singers like that across all genres, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's an easy correlation to, to draw. Like I think most people can just, most people that are just basic, like music listeners that don't go super deep can appreciate like the feeling of pain in somebody's, so so let me ask you this then. Do you think to be uh like a good or great artist, like some form of like hardship or some like kinda fucked up life experience is kinda like part of the you gotta kinda have that to an extent? I mean that's that's one that's kind of the question, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's not completely necessary. I can think of a few songwriters that I love to death and really identify with personally and really move me that didn't go through such intense stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Lennon and McCartney, for example, they're a weird example of of just a couple of kids. I mean, both of them had parents die early, yeah. early there when they were kids. Weird coincidence, which is, I mean, that's hard on a kid, definitely. definitely. But they didn't have like a necessarily abusive situation growing up. Somehow, both of them are just like insanely blessed with melody. I don't think it's totally necessary, but I don't know. I mean. Some some something about music that prevails throughout the decades, like, comes from people that kind of have been there most of the time. I don't know. Do you think it's necessary? Um, I mean, I don't know, because you brought Lennon and McCartney in, and you know, I, I I mess with the Beatles, but I'm not as huge a stan of them as you know maybe you are. Um, so I. I don't. I would say they're good. I wouldn't say they're great. I know that's probably sacrilegious. Well, their music has lasted so long, you know. Yeah, like you can't ignore that. It's time. That's a lot to do with like label and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, 
but I, I kind of do think it's required a little bit. Just I'm thinking of the artists I really gravitate toward that I really think are great, and it's been some kind of messed up life they had or something. Right. So to name an example, I mean, like even Kendrick. Yeah. You know. Yeah, obviously. Pretty well documented. Prince. You know how much I talk about Prince. Like, dude had it rough growing sure. up. Um, got kicked out uh, out of out of his dad's house at twelve. Um, his dad found him in a bed with a girl, kicked him out, sent him to live with his aunt. She kicked him out, had to go live with his best friend, kind of just bounced around, you know. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, so. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't either. I'm having fun doing yeah, it, Yeah, so far I'm having fun doing it. We'll be back. What, what was that song, man? That's a new one to me. Yeah, that that was uh, Flaming Lips. Okay. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. I'll probably... Kind of dreamy. Yeah, I love Flaming Lips, man. I'll talk I about feel these. like I'm floating in a pink cloud or some shit. I'll talk so about know? these guys in a second. You are, Jeff. Yeah, I am. A, you are floating in a pink cloud Whoa. With, the, with the Flaming Lips. I think I am. If you're into some into some psychedelic music, like if you're a Pink Floyd fan oh, or definitely. whatever, then uh, this is my favorite album, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Okay. Yoshimi favorite. Battles the Pink Robot. Yeah, it's a fantastic That record. is a crazy title. Fantastic record. I, okay, all right. Totally off topic. But what's one of like your favorite just album titles? Oh, man. I mean, that one's pretty captivating, you know? Uh, what else, though? God damn it. Always put me on the spot. Hey, that's what I'm here for. I like a seat at the table. That's pretty powerful. I'm just hey, yeah, that is rattling shit off here. Um, now, that's a dope album title, though. Yeah, and then there, uh, there's one, Ambrose, uh, Akin Musery. I call him Ambrose. He's a mm. trumpeter from Oakland on Blue Note. Now, he made this record. It's a jazz guy that I love. It's called "The Imagined Savior Is Far Easier to Paint," and I'm like, that's pretentious as shit, and I love it. So, you know, <laughs> if I had to pick one of my favorite uh, album titles, I have to go with just off the top of my head, "Good Kid, Mad City." Yeah. Kind of tells the whole story in the yeah, title a little definitely, bit. Definitely, you know, and I feel like that's as a at that time, uh, you know, what eighteen year old, you know, pretty much black kid. Like I could really kind of feel that, you know, I, like I was like, okay, yeah, I'm from Oakland, you know, I consider myself a good kid. So I right. just off that alone, I was like, oh, I got to get into this. You think that probably helps sell the record? Yeah, definitely, because you yeah. kind of already build a fan base into that. You know, depending on what your title is, to an extent, you know, yeah, like you're. Pulling people like, oh, okay, this kind of resonates with me a little bit. Yeah, let me check it out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good trick, man. Just implant the protagonist right into the title. Yeah, definitely. Good. That's good. So, I was gonna, I was saying that I was gonna come back and talk about Flaming Lips for a second. Okay. Uh, this record is great. My understanding is that the principal songwriter was on like a lot of heroin this whole time. Oh. Yeah, the whole time he was writing this record, and. There's okay, so we're getting into this stigma world now, right? Yeah. Like, you know, people on drugs make really fantastic music. 
particularly like hard drugs, you know. Um, I don't believe that as much personally since I learned that John Coltrane was off drugs when he made uh, "I Love Supreme." Mm-hmm. And that's his. So if if he can if he can do that without drugs, then I'm like, okay, this is a bogus theory. Yeah. But Flaming Lips made a lot of records, and this one they were just on it with the melodies. And there's not nothing about the lyrical content is like particularly different with this record. Mm-hmm. But you know, Lane St- Alice in Chains made self-titled, and it was about like how Lane Staley was dying from heroin. Like the songs were about that. There's there's nothing. There's no super gut wrenching, painful stuff with the Flaming Lips. It's this record is generally pretty lighthearted, psychedelic rock, but the melodies are just so there and it's crazy and i'm like where did it come from i don't get it okay so uh all right bear with me here so last segment we was talking about how like hardship and uh like kind of living like a shitty life can influence art and i would say that that kind of influences more on like a lyrical side um other ways as well but i would say that's probably the most part that it hits whereas like i feel like drugs really influence like the production side of it of stuff you know and like the melody yeah. Um, you know, because it, it, it gives you more colors to paint with. I, okay, that's a good point. I think you I think that's a hard thing to generalize because, like, okay, when the Beatles, like, started taking acid, they started making music that sounded like they were on fucking acid, yeah. right? <laughs> and then, like, you know, Coltrane didn't really do anything to change his production, but there was just something different about some of these records, right? So I think different drugs kind of hit different. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, colors to paint with though that's an interesting point yeah the Beatles are such a great example because everybody knows when they started taking acid right Mm -hmm. they made fucking magical mystery tour and it was like okay yeah all right there you go but I mean I don't know I've always kind of like that's one thing I I agree with as well like a lot of the best artists like especially in their best like the best artists best work is like probably at their highest no pun intended like yeah you know, like Jimi Hendrix was high as fuck making a lot of stuff he made. Yeah. You know, um, some, one of my favorite rock bands of all time, Aerosmith, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler's very well documented how, how much drugs they took back, you know, pretty much most of their career. Then they dropped the record like five years ago, both sober. Record sucked. Right. Well, that's, Granted, they're old as hell, too. Yeah, but, that's an old thing, too, for sure. Uh, I don't, yeah, but I, st- you, I don't think you lose it like that. People want to say you do. I don't know. No. I don't yeah, I don't know, man. I think you lose the rock and roll thing. I think you got to be a young. Yeah, because that's kind of part of an image. Yeah, you're gonna lose that. You know, I guess you're not sexy anymore, but like you still got that same soul, same you know musical capability. Ah, you should, you should. You would they, think they, it's not they like don't. basketball, you know, right? Yeah, where your body breaks completely down. physical. Yeah, yeah, man. Fucking Ozzy Osbourne was high as hell on coke man while he was inventing heavy metal yeah for sure while he was inventing heavy metal what crazy train like what, did, what else would that come from yeah well that was even later career too the this the stuff that came out of him uh, black sabbath first four album literally revolutionary right even uh kurt cobain you know what i mean I'm, like he had a pretty he had a heroin thing yeah he's on. a mysterious character right because he had a lot of stuff going on yeah. you know crazy crazy mind like, so what is the correlation there? Is it, I mean, just as far as taking like psychedelia out of it, right? Like, oh, this guy took a bunch of this thing and then he's like had an experience and now he makes music. Just as far as like 
be periods of when they're on something. Mm -hmm. Where is the correlation between just getting those great melodies all of a sudden? Is it like a, is it like a, you don't give a fuck? Is that the thing that you get? What is that? What is the thing that happens? Uh, I, mean, I think, like I said, it's like I said it already, and it might be sound kind of simple, might not really make that much sense, but you get more colors to paint with. Like when you're on another substance, like it's like you are kind of taken out of your body a little bit. You know, you you see yeah. the world a little differently. You you see stuff that you might not have seen uh, before. You know, but it's like with some things. I mean, you know. You take you take something that's like a narcotic specifically. Mm. That's not a that's not a mind expanding thing necessarily. It's not like how like a, a psychedelic is. Like coke is not a psychedelic. Yeah. It doesn't. You don't start seeing colors and stuff. You just have like an accelerated feeling mm -hmm. or whatever. So those I just it must open something up internal, right? Because you definitely I don't know if you see the world. I don't. I haven't done heroin. I don't know. I really don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's like, what is, is it? Is it internal that that happens? Is it like a, yeah, man, it's, it's dumb for you and me to sit here and not having done heroin. And yeah, no, only I can only speak from like smoking weed when I used to do that. I won't even speak what, if, what I can speak from. <laughs> but <laughs> like even that, like I would say, you know, back, you know, when I used to smoke, like I had this thing called uh, synesthesia. Like, so oh, you like, do? Yeah, like you see music, you know, like I would just like close my eyes, see all kind of like colors and numbers and like oh, it's, I it's pretty you, dope. I thought you were telling me that you had that, had that. I, no, I, I like had that happen like, you know, oh, like I see smoking weed like, right. a few times. Yeah, I get it. Um, So, I mean, like, you know, I could see how you take that into creating music, you know, like now it's like a, it's like a formula thing you got down. So it's it's that much easier and your mind is that much more expanded. more options. Yeah, it's way more saying. options. So okay. And I, I would say even because I would I would write sometimes after I would smoke like and I'll read stuff back like damn I wrote this like I thought of it you know like I'll be a thousand percent honest I'm a creator I've done a couple of drugs and, and like in my day you know yeah <laughs> never never creative can't be I can't be creative hi I don't do any drugs anymore because yeah. the, because of this I can't be creative high I can't be creative drunk. On anything damn never not even a little bit that's usually not the case i can practice my instrument i can practice my songs <clears throat> sometimes not as well you know whatever but i i can't perform can't write can't write at all zero things can come out i felt like i was probably at my most creative like under some kind of substance yeah i just for me it has to come from emotional catharsis and then when that's being numbed or mm -hmm. covered up or obscured or fogged i can't get stuff out Damn. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real gen delicate thing for me, to be honest. So that's my experience. I know other people have that same experience. Like, you know, Frank Zappa was famous for never doing anything except cigarettes and coffee. He said, "I'm plenty weird on cigarettes and coffee." A word. Yeah, I'm like, fuck yeah, you are, <laughs> Frank Zappa. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, what what kind of record would he have made? How out of the box would he have been? If well, he let me had... ask you this too, because I think I might—I don't know—it might be some kind of pattern here. What kind of life did Frank Zappa live before he like made it? Did he have a hard life? Did he have? Uh, I don't think he had. I think he had like the strict parents thing. I don't. He didn't have like any terrible abusive no? circumstances, okay. as far as I know. As far as a guy that like loves to read about Frank yeah. Zappa, but his music doesn't necessarily reflect that. Like, 
he had some brilliant stuff, but there's not a lot of gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. It's all, all most of his stuff is about satire and sarcasm and humor. Okay, making fun of things and being an asshole, you know. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: like, um, what do you think influences art more, like in a good way? Uh, we talked about you know artists living hard lives, and then we now we're talking about artists taking drugs and what influence? Yeah. I mean, I hate to. S- it's like kind of like you don't have a lot of control over that. Yeah. Like grief will enter and exit your life independently of what you want. I think probably the, the, in my opinion, the best thing to make the best art that you can make is just self-exploration, mm-hmm. which sounds real hippy dippy, but a little bit, but man, you, you already have that. Your mind is already open without doing anything, without anything bad happening to you. You have you have stuff in your way just inherently. Like you've got holdups, you've got hangups, you've got inhibitions all over the place. You don't really need drugs or hardships to knock them out of the way. It's just harder to do on your own. So mm. I think at the end of the day, it's just it's just like I don't know how to put this in a way that makes any sense in the real world. But it's just, man, I don't know. Go to therapy. Like, for real. Damn. Yeah. You know, learn about yourself. That's my take. You think that'll that'll lend itself to the art as well? Yeah, because it's like, you... you Ultimately, what do hardships and drugs do besides... I don't know. That, that, that What do they unlock in you that you can't unlock through work? It's like, I don't really know, but... I think that's the. I think as far as just what you're in control of, that's pretty much the best you can do. Is is, is go in and. and I disagree with that. I think. I don't think therapy can replace life experience. Um, like drugs, that's a whole other thing. But like, living through something and really like being there and feeling it, like no amount of therapy. If you haven't, I mean, unless if you're like trying to reconcile something that you have been through with therapy, no amount of therapy can replicate whatever that gives you in my eyes, you know, whatever that, that hardship gives you as an artist. I mean, that's true. I just hate for that to be the answer as, as a creator. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I got to sit and wait for some terrible shit to happen to me. Yeah. Like, that's not a comforting. I mean, even just think about like some of the artists you listen to, like you probably like them when they're at their most, like, like their lowest point damn near. Like they make some of their best shit at that point. Yeah. That for some people that is true. Like I hate the, like the weekend, Pretty pretty uh, current example, like the music he's been making like the last few years, kind of kind of bad. Some of it, um, it's not bad. It's just not as good as what he came into the game making when he was, you know, still trying to make it. Um, he like got into Hollywood, got fell in love, and all that kind of stuff. Started making pop records, which is cool, but it's not touching the people the way his other stuff was. Just the gloomy, know? yeah, kind of moody, stuff, dark yeah. stuff. You know? Yeah, I get it. So. That's just my example for right now. Well, um, as a guy that's not super familiar with the weekend, um, yeah, you don't fool with him. I'm taking your word know. for it, more or less. <laughs> you don't fool with Abel. I've made it abundantly clear that I don't know what I'm talking. Yeah, you, about. you did that tonight, but I have fun doing it. I had fun doing it. Before we get out of here, uh, well, first of all, I have an album recommendation of the week. It's uh, Netflix and Deal. O3 Greedo and Kenny Beats made a tape together, and it's like super dope, man. Okay. Netflix and Deal, yeah, it's good. Show, sure. interesting. Um, all right, so I got two. Um, so a pretty legendary hip hop duo came back earlier this year. Uh, Little Brother, 
And I finally got around listening to their their record they released earlier this year. Uh, and it's pretty, I just started listening to it today, and it's, it's pretty nice. I think okay. it's called May the Lord Help You or something. May the Lord something. Um, but check that out, Lil Brother. And then also I got to go back to the uh, Prince re-release, the Prince 1999 deluxe version. Like, all my millennials, y'all need to listen to this, like real music. Okay, do you think, would you rather, if somebody had never heard Prince before, uh-huh. should they listen to the re-release or the original 1999? I mean, well, obviously the re-release because everything's remastered. It's all the same, you know, all of them on there. But then it's also like two albums worth of new material. Then you got the remixes to the original stuff. Then you got a whole, a full live album on there as well. All right, so check it out. You it's heard it's it. literally six hours of music. You you heard it here first. Listen to that six-hour uh, blap, blap that in the car out. real quick. Blap, blap-tasket. Uh, <laughs> before we get out of here, I want to say, uh, if you're uh, a weekly Audiophiles listener, thanks for tuning in. For sure. Because we, we see you, we appreciate the support and everything. If you got any anything to ask us or anything to tell us. Be, Slide in the DMs. You know, if you think we suck, yeah, Audiophiles on Instagram. Um. Yeah, I think that's just about it. Yeah, Thanks you for think listening. we suck. We love to hear that. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. Me, I especially love but to hear that. But not just, we don't, we don't just want to hear you think we suck. How can we be better? So let us right. know. Yeah. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Peace. Thank you.